there's a righteousness that we need to in order to be justified. If I believe that I need, if I believe that I myself can produce that righteousness in order to meet the requirements of God, the righteousness of God, therefore I am considered to be self-righteous. Are you following me? That's what a self-righteous. You're trying to fulfill the requirements of God's law on your own. You're self-righteous. But only God is able to fulfill the righteousness of the law. We study about that. You remember? Only God's righteousness can fulfill the righteousness of the law. Only He can do that. This morning, and so whenever this morning we try to fulfill the requirements of the law, what we're really doing is we're trying to make ourselves just as God. We're making ourselves as God, the only one who can fulfill the righteousness of the law. When we say we can fulfill the righteousness of the law in order to save ourselves. And also, not only that, but we make ourselves above the law. Now, there's an entity that believes this very same thing. And that's the papacy. The papacy also believes that they are above God. They are like God. It's God himself. And they also believe that they are above the law. They think to change times and laws, the Bible says in Daniel, right? And they change the different Ten Commandments. So when one is self-righteous, what he's really saying is you're identifying yourself with the papacy. Every self-righteous person is part of the principle and the spirit of the papacy. Now, what is the purpose of the law? Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. And notice what it says here. This is the purpose of the law. Then, well, if the law doesn't save me, what's the purpose of the law? Here's the purpose. There's two purposes. There's one is here. For by the law is the knowledge of, what does it say? Sin. So in other words, the law this morning helps us to realize that we are sinners this morning. Amen? The law comes into our life. It shows us. The word of God reveals to us. It cuts asunder. It shows us that we are sinful. Sinful people. There's many people out there who are living their life and doing whatever they want to do out there because they don't realize that what they're doing is wrong. But the law comes to us here this morning and it reveals and it tells us this morning that you and me this morning, we have sinful flesh and we're sinful this morning. So the purpose of the law, it reveals to us that we are sinners. Now look at your people. What is, um, well, Laodicea's problem. Look at this paper right here. I'm going to focus right here on this paper. Revelation 3 verse 17 that was handed out to you. What's Laodicea's problem? It says here, you following the paper, the purple paper was handed out. It says, because, Revelation 3 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of what? Nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, Laodicea feels that they are good. 
that they have no need, but in reality, they're sick. They're spiritually sick. They have a truly a need, but Laodicea feels that there is no need for anything. What is the cure? See, Laodicea needs to realize their true condition. And the thing that will bring Laodicea to his knees is, beloved this morning, the law of God. Amen? You see, Laodicea is self-deceived. They think, I'm not a sinner, I'm okay, I'm good, but the wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What they need is more of the word of God. The word of God will come to Laodicea, my heart and your heart, and then it will give me a knowledge of my sin. And when I'm sinful, I realize I'm a sinful person, it reveals to me that I'm spiritually sick this morning. Are you following me? The process. I'm spiritually sick, and when I'm spiritually sick, then I'm going to feel a need for a spiritual doctor to be healed this morning. Amen? In other words, the law this morning leads us to Jesus Christ, the only answer. Amen? The law cannot save us, but the purpose of the law is it comes into our life. It shows us our sin. It reveals to us our need. And it leads us to Jesus Christ, who is the divine physician for our sin-sick souls this morning. Amen? Amen. And that's the word of God does for us. The law of God reveals to you and me what is my need, what is your need here this morning. The law is perfect. It converts the soul. It is a beautiful thing that God has given to his people to show them that they are sinful, wretched, poor, blind, and naked this morning. And that's why, beloved, I believe that we need to uplift and exalt the law of God here this morning. Amen? Amen. I know it's a little bit weak out there. Amen. But, beloved, we need to exalt and uplift the law of God here this morning. Amen? Amen. For the law will help us to realize our need for Jesus. This morning, amen? amen. I know some people like to throw away the law. Some churches like to throw away the law. But the very thing they're throwing away, in a sense, they're saying is the precursor to them sensing their deep need for Jesus Christ. Yes. You cannot throw away the law of God. We need to exalt, and Laodicea's problem, and I believe our church's problem today is that we have not exalted and uplifted the law of God and the requirements of God high enough for there's not a sense of a need for people for Jesus Christ this morning because we have failed and I have failed to uplift the law of God higher. Now it is very discouraging, of course, to lift up the law but not present a Savior, right? It's even worse to do that. But this morning, we're going to see the whole balance of this whole picture as we study it this morning. Now, what did Paul say is now revealed? Look at verse 21. We know the law is the knowledge of sin. In verse 21, the Bible says, so first of all, the law comes and reveals on sin in our lives. And it says, but now, after the law comes, now the righteousness of God, that's our salvation, because only those who are righteous get to heaven, the righteousness of God without the law. Are you following me? The Bible says the righteousness of God without the law is manifested or is revealed. Revealed where? Within us. 
the righteousness of God without the law is revealed within my soul, my heart, and your heart, revealed in my life and your life without the law. So there we have it. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed within us. But how, you may say? You see, we cannot get righteousness out of us doing the works of the law. We cannot this morning. It must come from another source. Well, let's look, continue on in our study. Look at verse 21 at the end. Well, let's read it again. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested or revealed. And look at the second purpose of the law. It says here, being witness or proved by the law and the prophets. So the law of God, first of all, reveals our sins in our lives. It shows us our need of Jesus Christ. And then it says here also that the law of God comes back in and then it approves of what we have received in our life from Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God. So I want to show you at this paper here, so I'm diagramming, I'm a picture person, so if you're like me, you want to see how it looks like on, how, according to this text here that we just studied, just to simplify it. So first of all, the three parts to this plan of salvation here, you can follow along. First of all, the law comes, many of us were out in the world, living in sin, then all of a sudden we came to a prophecy seminar, a Bible study, and the law came into our life and it reveals that the path we were headed was the wrong path, right? It revealed to us, it gave us a knowledge of sin. And with that, it's, it gave us, it's supposed to give us a, a need. Now, if the people presented didn't give the answer, which is Jesus Christ, you're worse off than before. But it gives you a, a need for the righteousness of God within your life. So the law gives a knowledge of sin. So the law comes to your life, it gives you a knowledge of sin. The second step is, according to the Bible, that the righteousness of God comes into your life Apart from the law. The law comes from first, shows you the need. Then you need the righteousness of God. The law steps aside where the, the, the righteousness of God comes into your life. And then the law comes back, as we learn, and it witnesses or approves of the righteousness of God that you have received within your life. Does that make sense, beloved? So when you go to, that's why those in heaven, the law of God is at the gates of heaven, beloved. Not your own works now. But when you enter heaven, the law of God is standing there and it will not allow anyone who has not received the righteousness of God within their life. That's the process. Here's the problem. You know, in ministry, I really believe that under this first one, just talking to people, People think that religion is that checklist religion. I have my list of good things to do, and I follow them. I'm a Christian. But it's totally contrary to what the Bible teaches. The law of God reveals our need, and this is how they live their life here. They, they reveals a need, and they turn to the righteousness of the law, the second one, and they try to fulfill in their own works the deeds of the law. But what happens is the law comes back, and the law witnesses not what they have, the righteousness of God, but it witnesses against the works of man that they have within their life. And on the outside, they may look good, but on the inside, it witnesses against the pride, the conceitedness, the arrogance, the selfishness that is within everyone's heart. 
And that's what the purpose of the law, three steps. It shows us our need, then it leads us to the righteousness of God, and it comes back and it approves or disapproves whether we truly have the righteousness of God or the righteousness of man this morning. If this is clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? Amen. amen. Okay, let's move on. Verse 22. But how do we get the righteousness of God is the question you may ask. Listen to this. Even the righteousness of God, which is by what? Faith of who? Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all them that believe. You see, God not only passes his faithfulness to us, God wants us to receive Jesus Christ within our lives. Because when we receive Jesus Christ into our lives, we are also receive his faith. In other words, all the faith that he exercised 2,000 years ago, he exercises within you. In other words, when you receive Christ in your life, you're receiving Christ who then exercises his faith within your life this morning. Amen? So then it is Christ who has exercised his faith within you. And he, Christ exercising his faith within you, then at that time, beloved, brings the righteousness of God into his life, which is living you, brings that righteousness of God inside of your life. And then it is shown and revealed within your life and my life here this morning. Besides Christ, I invite you to turn to your paper again, Philippians 3, verse 4, 8. Besides Christ, there was never a better man than Paul. If anyone ever did a good deed, it was Paul. Now I want you to follow what the Bible says about Paul. The Bible says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, this is Paul speaking, if any other man thinks that he had whereof he might trust in the flesh, Paul said, I more. He said, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. And listen what Paul said. As touching the law, a Pharisee. Paul said, before I was converted, I was a Pharisee, according to the law. He said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. And then it says here, touching the righteousness which is in the law, what does he say? What does he say, church? Blameless. Blameless. So Paul is saying here that before I was converted, uh, touching the righteousness of the law, doing the deeds of the righteousness of the law, Paul said, I was blameless before he was converted now. Is it possible to look blameless according to the righteousness of the law, according to the word of God this morning, without being converted? Is it possible to look that way? Or think that you are? According to the Bible, it is. He said, I was blameless. But notice what he says. But, that word but means it negates everything before. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count how many things? All things, he said, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung as nothing worthless, that I may win 
Christ this morning. Amen? Amen. All that righteousness that live up to the law. I may have looked blameless going to church every week. It didn't matter. All that stuff before I was converted, all the right things. I went to church every week. I gave my tithes and my offerings. I did all my good works, all those good things. I count every single thing as nothing for me to gain Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? Amen. All those works before he was converted, beloved. He said it was worthless in his life. And beloved, when one becomes truly converted, even though you may be considered blameless or perfect, you count it all but loss. You leave it all behind. It's worthless. And here's the thing. And let me tell you this. It's a very humbling experience to realize that your whole Christian experience was worthless. Very humbling. Can you imagine someone who's been a leader in a church, 5, 10, 20 years in a church, an elder, deacon, a church board? Can you imagine the word of God coming in and God speaking to them and telling them that your whole Christian experience was worthless? Is that not a humbling experience, beloved, this morning? But unless you come as a child, the Bible says, humble, starting all over again. And here's the thing. When one becomes truly converted, you have to start all over again. You become, you're born again. In other words, you're a baby again. You become a spiritual baby all over again. It doesn't matter, 30 years within a church, 40, 50 years, born and raised, 60, 70 years old in the church, it doesn't matter. You may be 70 years old, going to church for 70 years, and you'd have come to the realization that my whole Christian experience was based upon the wrong premise, the righteousness of the law, and I needed to be born again. And the truth comes to you, and this is the thing. When you're a baby, you're not expected to walk and, walk and run immediately. So in other words, you're going to be stumbling all over again. And people will be looking at you like, what's going on with you? And it's going to, listen to this, beloved. It's going to look, look like you're compromising. Because you're really starting all over what you never really had. And the law testifies, it approves, it witnesses that you never had the righteousness of God at all in the first place. It was the righteousness of man, it was human works. It was nothing, nothing really the power of God, it was all human. And that's why people are looking for the righteousness of God here this morning. Look what it says in Philippians 3.9 on this purple paper again. It says, then Paul continues on and it says, not having mine own righteousness. Are you following that? Which is off the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith this morning. We are not to have our own righteousness through our own obedience to the law. Now look at these next quotes here. I'm going to read you a few texts. How did the Pharisees appear on the outside? Notice what the Bible says here in verse 20, chapter 23, verse 27 to 28. Jesus is speaking to the leaders of the church. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Why are they hypocrites? 
For you are like unto white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. See, Jesus is looking over there at these tombstones, these big tombstones, that, actually big caves that they buried people in. And on the outside was this beautiful white marble. And he said, you're just like that. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, it's all dead bones on the inside. And then he makes a parallel. He says, even so you also outwardly appear, what is that word? Righteous unto men. You look righteous on the outside, but within you're full of hypocrisy and sin this morning. Amen? The word of God comes and says, on the outside you look beautiful, you look holy, you look righteous, but on the inside you're still full of sin and wickedness and evil. And Jesus rebuked the leaders of their time of what they were trying to do. But where does God want his righteousness, his truth, his righteousness? Look at the next, Psalms 51 verse 6, the Bible says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the, what? Outward? Inward parts. His truth, his righteousness. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God wants his righteousness in the inward parts, on the inside. Now, what does God clothe us with? Talking about righteousness here. Look at Isaiah 61, verse 10, on the next one. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of what? Righteousness. That's the righteousness that we need this morning, isn't it, beloved? Not human righteousness. We need the robe of Christ's righteousness, which is the righteousness sufficient for us to make it into heaven this morning. Amen? Amen. What about human righteousness? Let's see what it says in Isaiah 64, verse 6. In the next text, it says here, But we are all, how many of us? As an unclean thing. And all our, what? Righteousness are as what? The robe, filthy rags. Turn me to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to go through this, this parable, parable at this time. Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Remember that. We just talked about the righteousness of God, the robe of Christ's righteousness that we need to get into heaven rather than our own righteousness, which is actually filthy rags. Now, let's go to the story. Matthew 22, verse 1. Jesus answered, spake unto them again by parables and said, listen to what he said. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king. So the kingdom of heaven, or how you are saved, is like the story. Let me tell you a story, he said. A certain king was made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. So he called, sent his servants, go out and call those people. I already sent the invitations out. This remind them, they were already bidden. I called a certain people, a special people for a special time, for a special place to do a special mission. I called a special group of people. Tell them to come. The Bible says, and they would not 
come. God had given this special group in the last days a special message to be given to the world. It says, come, and time is ready. It's now to come. But the Bible says, but they would not come. The Christians with the knowledge, the Seventh-day Adventists who knew the truth, who understood the message, God had called them, but the Bible said they would not come. They would not step up to the the plate. They would not fulfill the mission and the calling that God had called them to do. And then the Bible says here, again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Again, the message came from the king. He made the message look attractive. They made the party look very good. They made it look like all the blessings that would attend. And beloved, God is calling us this morning. And he's making the messages more appealing. He's making it look good. He's making it look the blessings of God are coming down. And the question is, will we be faithful to what God is giving and is showing to us at this time in history? Come to the marriage. But notice what they did the second time. The king in his mercy gave an extra time for his special group he invited. Verse 5 says, But they made light of it and went their ways one to his farm, another to his merchandise. In other words, they made light of the messages that were given to them in time and time and time and time again. They made light of it. They, didn't, they took it for granted. They didn't even really care about the messages. And the messages came stronger. They still made light of the messages. And they went about doing their own things, their farm, their merchandise. In other words, they start beautifying their homes. And working hard at their businesses to make more money, to enjoy the luxuries of this earth. My question to us as Seventh-day Adventists, do we do the same thing? The messages keep coming and coming, more beautiful, more merciful, and more loving to us. And we reject the messages, we make light of the message. And we go about beautifying our own homes and working for what we want on this earth. And notice what it says here, beloved. When I read this, it shook me. It says, and, verse 6, and the what? What is that word? You ever heard that before? Remnant means that which remains. God's last day people. And the remnant, it says, is talking about us, beloved. The remnant, this parable was written 2,000 years ago for God's last day people, specifically to you and me this morning. The Bible says, and the remnant, what about the remnant? The Bible says, and the remnant took his servants, the king's servants, and entreated them spitefully and slew them, did away with the servants. And beloved, today, God's remnant, God has called His people, but time and time again, they rejected the message. They rejected the messages. They rejected the messengers time and time again. And God is calling us to wake up that now is high time to be serious with God. You know, when people used to tell me, Pastor, you know, I believe Jesus is coming soon. 
I never believed it. I mean, just this is my own ex- this is my own experience, because this knowing Bible prophecy, how things are going to end, we're far from from it. But you know, just recently I realized that things have just started to happen. God's working, and then the line is getting clearer. More those on the on God's side, and more those on Satan's side is becoming more clear. And I believe that God has started His shaking. The remnant. I couldn't believe they used that word, the remnant. Can you believe that? The remnant. Just like our church. Seven. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, he was angry. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Beloved, if we are not faithful to the messages that God has given to us as a people, God will have us taken out of the way, beloved, this morning. He would take us out of the church. He allows Satan to take us out of the church. He allows Satan to take us out of the way. He allows Satan to take us out of the leadership positions that is given to us if we are not faithful. The remnant. Then in verse 8, it says, Then said he to the servants, The wedding is ready, but they were bidden, were not worthy. They were not worthy for the message. He said, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both good and bad, bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Are you following this? In other words, beloved, God's going to replace the remnant with those who are willing this morning. Amen. And thus we are told in the spirit of prophecy. As you read the spirit of prophecy and the testimony, and you read this word, the remnant, in other words, most of the people who compose of God's church would not be there in the final hours of the last days, beloved. Not because God did not entreat with them with messages and give them what they wanted and needed, what they needed to do, but because they were not willing, beloved. God allowed them to be taken out of the way and God replaced the remnant, beloved, this morning. And God will replace the remnant unless we are faithful to him this morning. Amen? God will replace the remnant. He will find people who are willing to serve him with all of their heart and he will find people who are willing to serve him and give him all that they got to him rather than the ways of the world. That is what God is looking for this morning. He's looking for faithful people and I pray I'm one of them this morning. I pray that you are one of them. But if not one in 20 is ready, we're looking at four people in this church. Beloved, that goes according to the word of God. The remnant's going to disappear. And God's going to be placed with those who are willing. And those who are in the heavenly feast were told, and those that the Bible says, it says, they found both good and bad. It didn't matter on, on the outside. See, people look on the outside. In the last days, the, Satan's going to inspire people to look at God's people as, as if they're bad. They're the troublemakers, right? They're the wicked, evil people. So in the outward appearance, they look like they're the bad people, and the world thinks that the good people who are punishing these bad people, when really they're the bad people. 
So good and bad is in heaven. And God didn't matter because what he did was he clothed them with the robe of righteousness. Amen? They had the robe of God's character and it transformed their life. It infused their life and it transformed and changed their lives. What happened? Verse 11. And the king, when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. He didn't have the robe of righteousness on. Notice it wasn't that this man wasn't good enough, because good and bad are in there. What really mattered was that they lived up, lived up to the light they knew, that this man had the right wedding garment of the robe of Christ's righteousness. And notice he said, and he said unto him, Friend, how came you in here not having a wedding garment? And the person was speechless. You see, he was wearing his own rags of righteousness. But beloved, our rags is worthless in heaven. Amen? Only the robe of Christ's righteousness will get us into heaven and keep us there. The law of God will testify whether we have the robe of Christ's righteousness or the rags of my own works. Notice it says here in 13, When the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called to wear the robe of Christ's righteousness, but few choose to wear. This morning, don't you want to wear the robe of Christ's righteousness on the inside, rather than the rags of your own righteousness on the, on the outside? How many of you want to wear the robe of Christ's righteousness on the inside? Let me see your hands. Amen. Godliness is not seen today because, beloved, Christians are doing the works of the law rather than receiving Christ within. I want you to turn, before we sing, turn to your closing song, 412. And I want to read to you a few verses. 412. I want to read to you the first three verses. 412. And I hope that after this sermon you have a better understanding of what this song is actually saying. You can read in your minds with me. It says, Look upon Jesus. Sinless is He. Father, impute His life of righteousness unto me. My life of scarlet, my sin and woe, cover with his life, whiter than snow. Verse 2. Deep are the wounds transgression has made. Red are the stains, my soul is afraid. Oh, to be covered, Jesus with thee. Now follow this next line. Safe from the law that now judges me. Amen. The law comes and reveals your sin and it judges you. But Jesus Christ saves you from the judgment of the law and it gives you freedom this morning. Amen? Amen. Verse 3. Longing the joy of pardon to know, Jesus holds out a what? Robe white as snow. Lord, I accept it. Leaving my own rags gladly I wear 
thy pure life alone. Amen. We need to wear Christ's pure life and accept him into our lives this morning. You believe what I'm saying? Let me hear you say amen. amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.